0: Hi, everyone. This is Crystal Brando with Policy Research Associates. We are back um, for Social Determinants of Health Part 2 um, with WELCOA, the Wellness Council of America. If you missed part one, please go back and check it out. We had a great conversation with Ryan Picarella, the president of the Wellness Council of America, about social determinants and how the workplace can stand in the gap um, of what's available in communities and how social determinants of health impact employees. So today... We're back with Ryan, who again is the president of WellCoa. He brings great knowledge and insight from a career of over a decade in the health and wellness industry into these conversations that we're having um, with the Wellness Council of America which is one of the nation's most respected resources uh, for building healthy workplaces and has been operating for over 30 years. So we're delighted to be having these conversations on social determinants of health. This is part two of a two-part series on social determinants of health and part two of a four-part series that we're eager and excited to be um, working on with WELCOA. So Ryan, thanks for being back with us.
1: Thanks, Crystal. It's good to be here.
0: So today we're talking about the unmentionables of wellness. So before I even get started with any questions, what does that mean to you right there, the unmentionables of wellness?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And, and that was uh, that phrase was coined by a friend of mine, Alexandra Drain. And, and what we're talking about when it's the unmentionables of wellness. These are the things that you know most organizations you know don't want to acknowledge. You know, sort of exist with employees, and so um, all the things that impact our health. And so, you know, there, there's some obvious things like cholesterol and weight, and and very sort of specific things that you know have um, a correlation to to health. But these are the things that you know we might not be comfortable talking about. So these could be mental health issues, these could be financial health issues, these could be relationship issues, these could be struggling taking care of um, aging parents or, or children. This could be be, you know, struggling with a bad, a bad sex life. This could be a variety of things that, you know, as humans that we deal with every single day, but yet are not really comfortable, certainly bringing to uh, the organization. But at the end of the day, they impact stress and they impact our performance. They can impact our sleep. Um, And so these things sort of transcend, you know, not just at home, but into the workplace and back and forth. And so um, all of these things, um, really have a huge, a huge impact on our health. And so there's there's kind of a a Maslow's hierarchy, if you will. And if you can kind of picture in your head at the very bottom here, there's some basic safety and psychological needs that have to be met. Um, and until those are really met, uh, we can't go to the top of the pyramid where it's you know kind of the self-actualization and I look at this as kind of the broccoli and the treadmill piece and I'll give you an example if you are really struggling with putting food on the table um, you know either from a financial perspective or you might live in a food desert you know going to the gym is probably the farthest thing away from what's on your mind right now and that's just not a real part of your world and so you know a lot of times in organizations we just you know we keep pushing uh, step challenges or weight loss challenges or these kinds of things. And that's just not reasonable uh, for a lot of people. So the notion of unmentionables is, is that we show up to work as a whole person. Um, even things like, you know, what happened in our childhood um, can have a big impact on our health and well-being. There was a really kind of landmark study called adverse childhood experiences or ACEs for short, that looked at things that happen, you know, many years before we even step into the workplace have an impact on our health, even, you know, cardiovascular disease. So things like, you know, divorce, incarceration, substance abuse, physical abuse. And there's, there's you know, several sort of things that if they happen to us, um, you know, as a childhood and the more of those check boxes that you check, the more likely you are to have health conditions down the road. Well, that has huge implications for the workplace and certainly how we begin to help people, you know, address some of these health issues. So that's kind of the notion here that the unmentionables are things that are all inherently important to us that impact our health and wellness, uh, that are things that typically we might not feel comfortable or that there might be stigmas around talking about in a work um, context or environment.
0: Thank you so much. So the conversation about social determinants of health, um, even stemming back to the first podcast that we spoke on, brings up the point of what actually makes us well. Um, So we talked a little bit about what some organizations can offer employees in our last recording. And some of the things that you mentioned um, had to do with like bringing in farm fresh food to work. So things like that clearly are related to diet, physical health. And so I think what you're describing really helps to expand the sense of determinants of health and look at some of these non-traditional components that, like you said, people are bringing to work with them every day. They're bringing their whole self to work, which includes all these other experiences.
1: Yeah, that, that that's exactly right. And what we talked about earlier, I mean, are, are kind of related to, you know, helping people with some of these physical attributes of health and making sure that they have the right access and all of that. And kind of I think this conversation is really about recognizing that Man, it's it's there's a lot that comes with being human, and it's it's not easy, and it can be messy sometimes. And regardless of, you know, what what age you are, what color you are, what religion you are, all of these things that we you know we all come in um, with with our whole selves into the office, and you know we could be getting out of school and and dealing with man now I've got this huge financial debt that I've got to figure out how to manage. I might be getting married, and I'm trying to buy a house, or I'm looking to retire. All of these things uh, are really what matters to people. And if organizations ignore that those are important things, they're not going to focus on what we think are more the traditional, you know, sort of more physical domain of health attributes.
0: Thank you so much. And part of what people may bring to work with them is – the role that they have in their home life. And for a lot of folks, um, being a caregiver can be part of that. So you mentioned the stress of maybe saving money. There are all these different things that people can be stressed about. And in some of our wellness work, we've put together some materials specifically for caregivers. And that is a huge component of the the workforce and something that really is increasingly becoming popular with folks talking about how to take care of caregivers in the workplace who may be coming to work with additional challenges and additional things to navigate, additional stressors every day. So what do you think is the role of caregiver stress in total wellness?
1: Yeah, I thank you for asking that question because this one in particular is incredibly uh, personal to me as well. Um, You know, Having a, a mother that was sick most of my life and needed caregiving and um, being a parent of two little ones and having to, you know, care, I've, I've sort of seen taking care of, of children, uh, and taking care of parents. And I think this is incredibly powerful. We have the, you know, the boomers that are retiring. Um, and so, you know, taking care of aging parents, kind of understanding and navigating that system is going to be incredibly important. Uh, and also sort of, you know, raising our children. And so, you know, caregivers, uh, as, as, many of you probably know, have one of the highest rates of, of burnout, uh, and turnover of pretty much every job type. Um, and so it's really an incredibly important thing to talk about and to understand and find ways to do it. And what's really actually amazing about um, thinking about caregiving uh, and helping caregivers um, is that if you can help alleviate you know, some of the stress and burnout when it comes to caregiving, not only does that improve the caregiver's you know life and outcomes, but it also improves – whoever they're taking care of. And so there's some really cool research uh, that looked at um, in in adult communities that the caregivers there, when they really focused on creating um, caring and compassionate, you know, organizational cultures for these folks It also improved the life expectancies of the people that they took care of. And so that's an incredibly powerful thing. And I think that, you know, there's also some cool stuff that, you know, when you even think about taking care of your employees that might be in a caregiving situation, that's going to transcend into taking care of the customer. And so I'm a firm believer that, you know, organizations need to put their employees first. Um, It's not putting the customer first. It's putting their employees first, because if you put your employees 1st that effort and that work is actually going to translate into taking care uh, of employees as well too. So I think this is, you know, caregiver stress is real. It's huge. All of us at some point in our lives are probably going to, you know, face this, whether it's uh, our own family, it could be a spouse, a sibling, a friend, um, you know, a a grandparent, a parent, any of this, that at some point that this is going to be a very real thing uh, for all of us to deal with. And so I think an organization has, again, an obligation um, to create ways uh, and opportunities opportunities for um, them to help their employees. And I'll give you, you know, one um, you know, quick example, and then I'll let, I'll let you dive back in. But I actually was doing a podcast this week uh, with an organization and they give their employees two weeks a year um, paid time off to actually provide caregiving. Um, And that's that's incredible. I mean, I think this is a you know really a standout organization that's going above and beyond. This doesn't cut into sick time or PTO or any of that. They're just saying, look, if you've got you know that can be taken you know intermittently or all at one time. But if you have to um, take care of someone that's near and dear to you um, in your life, and you can do that, and so the amount of of stress and burden that that you know that alleviates is 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 huge for people. So um, again, I think you know really thinking about and and helping organizations think through uh, ways to support caregivers is really, in my opinion, one of the most important things they can do.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a sense of relief uh, for employees that go out and can do that caregiving without having to charge their time off. Things that, you know, if they're not sick, they don't need a mental health day, they're not on vacation, and they really just need the time to care for someone. What a wonderful policy to give them the space to do that and alleviate that burden and that stress about charging time off for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, there's sort of been, you know, work stress and home stress, and that's actually not really true. That's a fallacy. There, there is just stress. Right. <laughs> so, you know, what happens at home, will take to work. What happens at work, you take to home. And, you know, I'm sure everybody can relate with when you, when you're helping a, a, a sick person or someone that needs care uh, and you're thinking about other obligations that you might have with work, uh, that creates a lot of stress. And so that's a huge, like you said, a huge, um, you know, thing. It can really take a big burden off of employees when they know that they have that support uh, by their company.
0: Yeah, definitely. So as far as the role of the organization in helping to support all these different things, from your vantage point and with your experience, how well are organizations doing at addressing these non-traditional determinants of health? What do you think is happening in the field?
1: Well, you know, I think there's a spectrum. I think that the good news, Crystal, is that, like, we're starting to talk about these things. And, and that's really the first step, I think, for organizations to be successful. Whereas, you know, five years ago, you know, mental health, those types of issues were kind of shuffled to an EAP and they didn't want to talk about them and just had hoped that, you know, their employees would take their personal problems and go deal with them so that it didn't impact the workplace anymore. And and, and that just frankly doesn't work. Um, so I think, you know, there, there's, there's the spectrum, I think some organizations are really getting, you know, upfront and dealing with this. But, you know, quite frankly, there is still a lot of work that needs to happen and to really start destigmatizing, you know, some of these things. And the first uh, piece to that, like I said, is, is to start talking about them. But I think, you know, really understanding and connecting employees to whatever resources might already exist is, is, is really important. But the traditional, you know, you get three phone calls from an EAP and just talk to them and, you know, and they'll fix you. Um, doesn't work. Um, So I'm encouraged, but I think that this is a growing global issue that um, I'm starting to see other countries that are um, starting to look at you know, death by overwork rates. Uh, it's, you know, it's called Karoshi in Japan as an example. And so I think that we're starting to see, you know, these types of stresses and inequities really begin to boil over and in some cases, um, you know, end up in death by suicide, which is incredibly tragic. So I think that it's certainly on everybody's radar now. And I think that organizations are really starting to rethink, you know, their strategies and are really starting to think about how can they address these. But I think that there's still a, a lot of work that, that needs to. To happen and and you know our our country seems to be you know still experiencing you know stress and there's there's still more tension that's brewing and so we need to continue to you know do the do the hard work to help um, you know our communities and our organizations.
0: Thank you so much and that's a wonderful call to action um, for our listeners to um, really do this hard work and if anyone listening to this podcast is not at the level of organizational leadership and maybe thinks that they can't transform the workplace, it's definitely possible to bring these things up to leadership and make the case for it. There are plenty of resources available from Welcoa, as well as from Policy Research Associates, that really highlight the benefits of all these things that Ryan is discussing. So um, anyone listening to this could potentially you know, take these materials and, and bring it up to leadership and to decision makers to try to help transform the workplace environment and create one that is more focused on social determinants of health, including those that are not so traditional, um, as well as mentally healthy workplaces.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I think this is such an important thing, and I just the last thing I'll say is I think that you know everybody, regardless of your 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 title, your position, you know, has you know a responsibility and can do something, and it could be as simple as smiling at someone that you walk across or ask how someone's doing that, or just being grateful for those little things. So I think some of those little things can create big ripples, uh, and all of that adds up. And you don't know what someone walks into the office with carrying, uh, and so whatever kindness or compassion that we can start bringing to each other uh, can make you know a huge difference. And sometimes you don't even realize the impact that that can have.
0: That's so true. Yeah. Thank you so much for adding that. And thank you for being here with us again. Um, This wraps up Social Determinants of Health Part 2, The Unmentionables of Wellness. We're grateful for your time, Ryan, and look forward to connecting with you when we talk a little bit more about burnout, which you mentioned on today's uh, podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about that in our next conversation.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Crystal.